Hello, everybody. This is Justin Jackson, host of the Justin Time Sports Podcast, where we'll be doing a special edition show on the NFL Draft first round. I hope you guys sit back, learn something, and get ready to roll. All right, guys, and we're here with a special edition Justin Time Sports Podcast. We will be talking about the first round of the NFL draft and having a recap of that and a little bit of discussion on my mock draft. So in regards to draft accuracy, I had a pretty decent day, I would assume. I, obviously, in my mock draft, I didn't predict any of the four trades that happened, but I did get eight of the 32 players picked perfectly, like Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, and those groups. So that'd be 25% accuracy there. Although a position need, I did much, much better. I got 56% of the teams and their position need perfectly correct. I think that's pretty well, considering, again, I didn't predict any of the trades, so I didn't know who was going to be there at certain spots, or I didn't predict any of the other movements, any of the guys flying up last minute with these GMs not having sheep think from all going to the same pro days at the same time. This NFL draft was very different, obviously, with the virtual draft, not having guys in the green room sitting there waiting. I wonder how different Jordan Love's reaction would have been sitting there waiting to go to Green Bay if he was sitting in a green room in front of all the cameras and stuff instead of sitting in front of one camera in his family's living room with just his parents. I wonder how different guys' reactions would have been getting picked. Guys seem a little bit more comfortable, maybe letting out some emotion in their living room instead of in Las Vegas in a green room or on a boat like they were supposed to have it done. I think this draft was very interesting. Um, No real head scratchers. The Saints pick of an offensive lineman was a little shocking, especially with Jordan Love sitting there. I figured they would take their quarterback of the future, but they decided to pass. New England trading all the way out from 23 to 37 was a big move. Maybe they didn't see anything they liked, particularly at 23. Maybe they thought maybe they can go get a Zach Bond, like I predicted in my mock draft at 37, pay him a lot less and not owe him the fifth-year option. It could be a great decision by them in the long run. Philadelphia choosing a receiver but not Justin Jefferson threw a lot of people off. Jalen, out of TCU, flew up the draft boards. But most people thought he'd be a very early second round pick, maybe to Cincinnati at 33, Indianapolis at 34. But to him to go at 21 to the Eagles, allowing the Vikings to select Justin Jefferson is almost ideal. Now, Jefferson and Thielen both play in the slot. Jefferson operated almost exclusively in the slot of LSU. Adam Thielen for the Vikings is a big slot receiver, so maybe they'll have to work that out. Isaiah Simmons being grabbed at eight instead of the Cardinals deciding to protect their investment in Kyler Murray was a shock to me. I figured they would take Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa there to protect Kyler Murray, but Isaiah Simmons there was too good to pass up. And Cliff Kingsbury is already dismissing the notion of he's only going to pick offensive players. A lot of times you get those college coaches from offense, they almost go exclusively to offense in the draft, and it really slows their defensive production down. But I guess with a do-it-all player like Isaiah Simmons still on the board at number eight, Cliff Kingsbury couldn't turn that down. I did nail a few of my picks. A couple of picks that I nailed I thought was shocking that I nailed, honestly, was C.J. Henderson going to the Jaguars. 
I didn't know if they were going to go there. Marlon Davidson, who's still on the board out of Auburn. I thought they may have gone there uh, because of Unique Ngakwe. Also, Clavon Chason out of LSU, who went later in the draft after that, who they end up getting later, actually, at number 20. I thought they might go with him at number nine to ensure somebody like Dallas, who picked CeeDee Lamb, didn't scoop him earlier. Dallas getting CeeDee Lamb shows me a trust and faith of the negotiations between Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Maybe if they had decided to go Jacob Eason here or Jordan Love here, it would almost ensure that Dak Prescott wasn't coming back to be the Cowboys quarterback. But going C.D. Lamb here is a big time show of faith with the Cowboys and their front office brass. But all in all, I didn't have any real head scratchers. The biggest shock to me of the night was Green Bay acknowledging where there's smoke, there's fire. There was rumors coming out about how they interviewed Jordan Love. A lot of people in the media dismissed it there. They're just doing the due diligence. But then people started to see a pattern. Brett Favre was 35 years old when they decided to drive Aaron Rodgers, his heir apparent. Aaron Rodgers currently is 35 or 36 years old, and now they draft Jordan Love, another kid with loads of talent like Aaron Rodgers was coming out of Cal, but needed to fix his mechanics, needed to fix his decision-making, needed two to three years to sit behind a Hall of Fame-level quarterback and learn the NFL game. Now, just like Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers isn't the best mentor I would have to dream up a, a quarterback's mentor. I don't think I would ever pick a guy like Aaron Rodgers to lead him. And not and saying Aaron Rodgers is a bad guy, but he he's trying to win Super Bowls. He's not focused on trying to get the guy to replace him better at his job. I thought New Orleans would go with Jordan Love. Considering that they would give Jordan Love a year, maybe two to sit behind Drew Brees. Drew Brees is a lot more of a coaching perspective than Aaron Rodgers is, so I figured they would go there. There's some big names left on the board in round two. The Chiefs decided to scoop Clyde Edwards Laird into round one. Maybe they didn't want to chance him. They knew they probably wouldn't get him in the second round. And when you're a team as talented, as deep, and returning 20 of your 22 starters from a Super Bowl team like the Chiefs are, they decide that they'll just grab a guy that they want off their board. It gets money-wise. It's about what and what between that and the early second round pick. Plus, they get the bonus of the fifth-year option. They could have easily traded back, maybe to 35, 36, and picked up Edwards Elaire there. But with for the difference of a few hundred grand, they get the fifth-year option, which is invaluable to an NFL franchise having a guy under contract, especially a running back, for five to seven years if the franchise tags come into play. Seattle going inside linebacker at 27, but not Patrick Queen, was a shock, allowing Baltimore to grab him at 28. Uh, I hadn't done a ton of research on Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech, but I'd heard the name. I just figured he'd be a day two guy, somewhere in the high 30s, maybe in the 40s, once some of these guys might have missed out on linebackers like Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray, who definitely, speaking of Kenneth Murray, went higher than I expected, especially with the Chargers trading all the way back into the first round to grab him at 23 to pair with their new quarterback in Justin Herbert. I think a very underrated selection was Brandon Ayuk to the San Francisco 49ers. He offers run after the catch ability. He offers a ton of versatility. He can play inside. He can play outside. He can return kicks. 
and he's one of those guys you can flick a jet sweep to and he plays like a running back. You can motion him in behind center and run him as a wildcat kind of player because he offers so much versatility. I think San Fran made a great pick there. I would like to hand out an award. I would like to hand out the smokescreen award to the Miami Dolphins. We have been hearing for weeks that they want to come up to number one for Joe Burrow. And maybe that's true. They didn't get the opportunity. The Bengals shut him down. But then we started hearing maybe they'll trade up to three to get a tackle. Maybe even if they sit at five, they won't draft to it. They'll draft Justin Herbert. And when it came down to the fifth overall pick, they sat there and they drafted to a Tagovailoa quarterback out of Alabama with that fifth pick, with Herbert still being on the board. So it showed in the end that they had Tua ranked higher than Herbert. Maybe they're trying to create a smoke screen to get a team to offer them a bunch of picks in exchange for them to go get Herbert and then draft Tua anyway, which would have been a great idea by the front office if that was indeed the plan. I, I like Miami pick. I liked Miami draft. They threw a curveball in at the end, drafting a DB, already having Byron Jones there and spending money at the position in free agency. But all in all, Miami had a good draft, starting with their smoke screen behind the Tua Tagovailoa pick. The Chargers had a great draft, getting their quarterback of the future with Justin Herbert and then trading back in to get their stalwart in the middle of Kenneth Murray to pair with Joey Bosa and to pair with Derwin James and to pair with that secondary. The Chargers are absolutely ready to compete with the Chiefs for the NFC West crown, and that'll be a very interesting division battle all year. Now, they just need consistent quarterback play moving into their new stadium in SoFi. Tyrod Taylor, without a doubt, will enter the season as a starting quarterback, but Justin Herbert may take over by week seven or week eight, especially if he's ready to go and practice. I don't see Tyrod Taylor holding the job all season, so at one point it will be Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes for the AFC West division title. Now, for my favorite pick of the night, I would go with the Browns, ending up with the offensive lineman out of Alabama, Jedrick Willis. Now, he's the safest lineman, like I discussed in my mock draft. He's the safest lineman in the draft. I figured Cleveland would be enamored with a guy like Makai Becton, who has so much upside, so much physical ability. He, he's the absolute freak that ran the 5.140 at 364 pounds. I just knew that Cleveland, a lot of times known for splash over substance, even though Becton can play, would go for a guy like Makai Becton over a Jedrick Willis, even if they were both still there. But in, instead, they chose the guy who can come in day one. You don't have to worry about him overeating himself out of the league or maturity issues or anything like that with Jedrick Willis. You know he's been coached tough at Alabama under Nick Saban and he'll be ready to roll. The most interesting pick, in my opinion, was Arizona getting Isaiah Simmons. And the reason why I say that's the most interesting pick is because automatically, you have to wonder, okay, now Kyle Murray, do you think you could be able to get an offensive lineman of quality in the second round? Which I think is possible. There's a couple of names I didn't hear, like Josh Jones, offensive lineman out of Houston. There's also Robert Hunt, offensive lineman out of Louisiana Lafayette, which is two names that I had going in the first round of my mock draft that are still on the board for day two. Day two has some star power, has some big names in it. You've got guys like from LSU, Christian Fulton, and Grant Delpit. 
than Thaddeus Moss. You have guys like Jacob Eason and Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position. You've got several running backs. You've got DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. You've got J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. You've got Cam Akers out of Florida State. And you've got Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin that I expect to fly off the boards in the first 15 picks of the second round. So much so guys may even trade up to go get him. You still got defensive line talent. You've got Russ Blacklock out of TCU. You've got Yator Gross Matos out of Penn State. Also great guys I expect to fly off the board. And obviously this receiver's class is deep. You've got Michael Pittman out of USC as my main guy to come off the board as the receiver class. And the DBs with some unexpected depth with Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama and Xavier McKinney out of Alabama still remaining there. It's very rare for a group of Alabama DBs to still be sitting there, especially considering Nick Saban's history as a defensive back coach. Now, Bid Belichick for the Patriots did trade back to 37. So maybe he looks at, I'll take Trayvon Diggs from Bama or Xavier McKinney from Bama from an old friend in Nick Saban who was his DC in Cleveland. Or maybe he decides to go with Russ Blacklock out of TCU or Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. Trading back from 23 to 37 could indicate that Bill Belichick is interested in making a package deal for a quarterback later in life. Maybe even this draft, he comes up and go get Jacob Eason. Maybe he waits until the next draft and packages a bunch of picks to go get Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson or Justin Fields out of Ohio State. But it was a very interesting decision to jump back 14 picks when there was so much talent on the board at 23. But there will be a lot of talent on the board at 37. This is not the NBA draft where after the first 13 picks, really after the first seven picks, you might as well go home. The talent level usually drops dramatically off. This is a draft, a much deeper draft than most in the NFL, where you'll probably get all pro level players picked in their correct spots early in the third round. I mean, this draft is loaded. I'll be very interested to see how rounds two and three goes. I expect this to be a running back and tight end heavy day. We didn't see any tight end selected. We only seen one running back in a very mid-level running back class. A lot of guys were together. If you had Cam Akers the number one running back, you can make a case for that. Clyde Edwards-Gillette could be a number one running back. You can make a case for that. Along with Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift, all had cases to be number one running backs, depending on your team's need and preference. So I'll be looking to see all four of the remaining top five running backs gone in the first 20 picks. There's still a few offensive line talents left. A couple of big name receivers are left with a lot of talent. And I'll be very interested to see these next two rounds. In terms of presentation, I think it was done very well, all things considered. Roger Goodell had a pretty sweet setup in his basement. And so he had the fans behind him of every team. He did the skull chant with the Vikings. He had the jersey up with the Chiefs. He did different things with every fan base, trying to get those guys involved and active the same way that they would if he was hosting the draft live. You know, like the famous shots every year where the team's up to pick. And no matter who that team picks, they're jumping up and down and they're screaming and they're yelling before the pick. And then uses a mixed reaction after the pick if it's an offensive lineman or a safety, or somebody that the fans were not expecting. And to see those fans behind him 
still jumping up and down. A few times you heard boos. I don't know if they piped that in or were the fans actually doing that. And that was a great touch to try and keep some sense of normalcy in this NFL draft. Overall, I loved it. Maybe it's something that they can look to do in round two since Goodell never does the picks after round one. But I'll be very interested to see how that goes the rest of the draft with guest pickers and stuff like that. But all in all, I loved it. It was a great first round. I was on the edge of my seat. I'm not sure if that's because we haven't had live sports in what feels like six years, but I was very interested in this NFL draft. I'm extremely interested in day two to fill some team needs out and have some filler. And But all in all, it was a great day. It was a great night. And I will be looking forward to rounds two and three. And with that, that is closing our recap of NFL Draft Round 1 and a small preview of Round 2. I hope you guys have a great day and get ready for the rest of the NFL Draft. We'll be looking to do this thing weekly. Every Friday will be our normal episodes. This is a special edition one. I'll try not to put out two in one week, but we'll go with once a week, probably on a Friday. That way it'll enter a weekend with a pre-cap and with a recap of the week. And you guys have a great day. Don't forget to like us and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow the Twitter at JTimesports, all caps. Tell your friends, your sports rivals, and I hope you guys have fun.